Uh, we're going to uh, be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We've been uh, uh, preaching on our uh, Thursday night Bible study uh, the last uh, couple months about the, on this subject, our responsibilities as Christians one to another. And again, you uh, can chase that phrase all through the Scripture, and you can find out that as Christians, there's a lot of things that God wants for us to do one for another, or as we're going to see tonight, not to do one to another. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm going to read the first uh, eight verses. So if you find your place, stand with me together as I read the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says this, Dare any of you, having a manner against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you. No, not one that should be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for the Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the instruction in the Scripture. And God, I pray now as we take a few moments and study your Word, that you'd speak to us through it, help us. Holy Spirit, uh, be here to uh, enlighten us tonight through the truths and wisdom of your, of your Word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So most of the things we've been talking about are things that we should do for one another. Uh, but the one we're going to look at tonight is something we should not do toward one another. And that is this, not to go to law one with another. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to look at this tonight, and I'm going to explain exactly what the Scripture is talking about, uh, because it's very, very specific here uh, in the instruction. All right. Now, let me just say this. All right. It is not wrong uh, to go to law, just particularly the, within the context of the Scripture, for brethren to go to law with brethren. That's what it's talking about. Amen? By the way, God's the one that has uh, established civil government. Uh, he established that all the way back uh, in Genesis uh, when He uh, uh, gave mankind dominion over the earth. And then after the flood, when then God established the fact that man was to, uh, life was to be shed for life, blood for blood. And so human government was God's plan. He's the one that set it up. And so, you know, the, the law's not here just for us to, you know, pick and choose what it is we want to obey. But the Bible's very clear here. And by the way, this is something that is a willful thing, okay, that you choose to do. All right, this is not necessarily speaking of a criminal act. Amen. And by the way, let me say this. I believe that if someone commits a criminal act, that it ought to be or prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something, there ain't this hiding stuff. And a lot of churches uh, seem like they get in, into problems because, you know what, there, there's uh, criminal activity that happens and people just want to sweep it under the rug based upon who committed the crime. All right, let me tell you something. Uh, you're, if, if somebody, uh, I mean, listen, I have a legal responsibility as a pastor, a legal responsibility that if someone would come to me and, uh, you know, share in confidence that where they are breaking the law against another person, uh, especially when it comes to areas of morality, listen, I can't hide that stuff. Amen? By the way, I'm not going to hide that stuff. 
right? And I shouldn't. And there's too much of this stuff going on. So that's not where we're going with this tonight, okay? Uh, but what we're talking about would be more like civil matters, not, not uh, criminal matters, civil matters, all right? Let's look here. Let's take a look at these eight verses and see what the Scripture is teaching us, all right? Notice what he says, first of all. By the way, let me say this. Notice who this book Paul had to address this to, okay? Surprise, surprise, the carnal church. Right? The church of Corinth, man, this church was a hotbed of carnality. There were so many carnal things going on in this church. That's why there was two books written to him, right? Paul couldn't deal with it all in one. And so surprise, surprise, it's coming down to the church of Corinth here. He's talking to about this. But let's look at what he's saying here. First of all, notice, Dare any of you having a manner against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Here is the problem, okay? There was civil matters going on within the church uh, or and within the fellow believers. And instead of following the biblical formula and working them out amongst themselves, they were taking these civil matters uh, to, the, to the unjust as well, or to the lost or to the, to the civil world. And notice what he says here. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? how much more things that pertain to this life. So here's what he's saying. He says, listen, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you spiritually in tune enough to figure these things out amongst yourselves? Do you not understand one of these days what God, if we're faithful, is going to trust us with? I want you to think about this for a minute. We've talked about this before, and I'm not going to get deep into this tonight. But when he talks about the facts that saints shall judge the world, you know what he's talking about? He's talking that uh, time known as the thousand-year millennial reign where the Bible promises or Jesus promises those that are faithful will rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. And again, that's a fascinating Bible study, that millennial reign. And I've taught through it before and probably a couple times actually. Uh, but, you know, that literally is going to be a time where after the tribulation period, that the, the earth is going to be repopulated to its current state or if not more. Okay? And so there's going to be people right back on the earth. And by the way, that's when King Jesus is ruling. Amen? I'm going to tell you right now, there'll be no injustices when King Jesus rules. I read, said, I read something the other day that said, um, uh, Jesus isn't, uh, when Jesus comes back, uh, he's not taking sides, he's taking over. Amen? And I like that, because that's exactly what's going to happen. It's all playing out according to the plan of God. There will be no injustices then. King Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron, by the way. Amen? Perfect justice. Everything will be the way God intended for it to be. And guess what? If we're faithful in our position on earth now, He will count us faithful to rule and reign with Him for those thousand years. Hey, guess who's going to be the uh, the uh, the law? Or not? No, I don't said lawyers. Not lawyers. I can tell you that. Amen. They won't be there. All right. But no, you know who's going to be the uh, you know the, the the mayors and the and the governors and whatever positions they're going to be called. You know who's God's going to be faithful Christians. Amen. And we're going to get our orders directly from King Jesus, and we're going to make sure it's done the way He wants it done. So what He's saying is this, why can't you figure out now the smallest of matters amongst yourselves when one of these days you're going to rule over the world? And by the way, He doesn't just say that. Notice what else He says. Verse 3, Know ye not that we shall judge angels. Isn't that interesting? Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't even particularly know exactly what that means. 
other than the fact that, you know, we know, we, we've preached about this before too, God has an innumerable amount of, of His messengers and, and uh, two-thirds of the heavenly host are with God, the, the angels, and more than likely the angels are going to have part of the millennium. Okay? And God's going to put us, think about this, I mean, I'm just telling you folks, and again, I know I'm going a little bit off of where we're going tonight, but it's worth talking about. That is why it's so important to be faithful to God now. Take your little vapor of a life, give it to God, look what God's going to give you in return. Man, what a what an amazing thought. I don't get Christians who think they're missing out by living a life, serving God, obeying the Bible. You ain't missing out on anything, amen, in this life or the next one to come. Okay? But uh, we're going to be judging angels. What's exactly that mean? I don't know. All I know is, all I'm saying is, or what the Bible's saying is, is that because of this great uh, opportunity God's going to give us, this great uh, uh, authority, if you will, or position... Why aren't you figuring out the smallest things among among yourselves now? Okay? How much more the things that pertain to this life? Notice here a lot of these things that Paul is saying here are questions. It's almost like, really? You're not figuring this out? I mean, you know how it is sometimes when you're trying to get somebody to uh, come to a conclusion and you ask him a, a question with an obvious answer. And that's pretty much what he's doing here. All right? Verse 4, if then you have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Okay, what he's saying is this, if there's things that you've got to work out, work it out amongst yourselves in the right biblical way. That's basically what he's saying there. Okay, and you know what? Look what he says, Verse, I speak this to your shame. It was a shameful thing. Because this church, who uh, the church of Corinth, these believers, who are having these inward squabbles amongst themselves, instead of following the biblical formula, working it out the way they're supposed to, they were running to the civil court, trying to settle all these issues in the civil court. Think about what a bad testimony that is for that local congregation. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We've got to do everything we can to protect the testimony of this church and this community. We've got to protect that testimony. And that, that's why it matters how we portray ourselves out in public. By the way, let me say this. Notice what, uh, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but look at verse 7. Okay, and this is true. Why do you rather not, why do you not rather, listen to this, take wrong? You know what he's saying? He's saying this. It's, it's better for you to be wronged and the cause of Christ not have shame to it, than for you to walk around being justified, you being right, and causing shame to the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, you know what you got to do sometimes for your testimony's sake? Take it on the chin. That's what you do. Or more biblically, turn the other cheek. Right? I mean, come on, folks, listen. I mean, I've seen, I've seen this before. It boggles my mind. I've been with people before in, in Christians in restaurants. You know, something doesn't go their way. And they literally start throwing a fit, if you will, and acting like a big spoiled baby because something doesn't go their way. This wasn't prepared, right? That wasn't prepared, right? And act worse than the world acts as a born-again Christian. What is wrong with us? Would you not rather be wronged? I mean, come on, folks. Where's your spiritual maturity here? Look what else he says. Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? You know what he's saying? It's better for you personally to be defrauded than the cause of Christ to be shamed. That's what he's saying. You know what, folks? Sometimes, you ready for this? Life isn't fair. Get over it. 
What's it? Well, that just wasn't fair. Whoopie doo. Big deal. We got wrong. We got defrauded. Guess what? God's going to set it all straight one of these days. Amen? And why in the world are we acting like carnal, baby, ridiculous Christians over stupid stuff? Amen? Now again, it's important here that we as Christians handle things properly. Verse 8, Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that's your brethren. You know what he's saying? By having that attitude, you're the one in the wrong, you're the one being defrauded. You're defrauding your brother. Amen? And so, again, folks, I know this is a little bit of uh, spiritual maturity, but guess what? We need it. Amen? Right? We need to hear these things. I'm going to tell you, too many Christians are walking around with their little their little feelings on their sleeve and just looking for their feelings to get hurt. And Oh, you offended me. Well, whoopee-doo, you got offended. Who cares? What, I mean, what's this supposed to be, the offend, you know, uh, uh, the, the offend police walking around always trying to make sure, you know, you're not offended about this, not offended? Let me tell you something, folks. Nobody's ever offended you or me that we haven't offended God a thousand times more. God's the one that gets offended the most. Why aren't we championing that cause? Amen? And so, you know what he says is this. Because of that, you know what? Don't take your brother to law. Okay, again, we're not talking about criminal activity. Amen? We're talking about these civil matters. I mean, I, I don't watch this stuff anymore. I used to, uh, you, occasionally used to watch some of those stupid law shows, you know, like Judge Judy, all right? Uh, but it was so crazy to me how ridiculous people are. Now, some of it may have been just because they're getting on a TV show. I get that, all right? But literally, you have mothers suing children over $250. What? I mean, really? You're going to sacrifice a relationship with your kid for money? I mean, what is this stupid stuff going around? Okay? And I'll just be honest with you. You know, I expect some of that drama from the world, but why is it in the church house? It shouldn't be. Listen, apparently God knew it would be a problem because He took a good portion of His inspired Word to pin it down for us. Amen? And we need to get this. So what do we do instead? All right, well, let me show you a biblical example. Go to Genesis 13. Genesis chapter 13. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you haven't heard this before, but you're hearing it tonight. Amen? And I pray that we'll take these things, and, you know, God forbid something like that would happen. But if it would, know where you're standing biblically on it. Amen? Now, Genesis chapter 13, of course, is the story of uh, Abraham, Lot, their relationship, what was going on with that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the background because I just preached on Lot a month or so ago. But what, you, what I want you to see here is uh, let's look at um, uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 5. All right, let's start in verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks, herds, and tents. And the lamb was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. Look at verse 7. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt in the land, uh, dwelt then in the land. And notice here, because this is where it starts at right here. Verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot. Just stop right there for a minute. You know what that's called? Handling it properly. There was a strife going on. By the way, it wasn't even at this time between Abraham and Lot. You know what it was between? They're herdsmen. Okay? They're employees. Civil issue here. 
Okay, there, there, there was some infighting going on because of, you know, a lot had so much, Abraham's had so much, and maybe some of Abraham's sheep wandered over into Lot's lot, and Lot's sheep uh, wandered over there, and, you know, I mean, uh, these were just, you know, typical. By the way, maybe the employees probably may have had it right. They were just looking out for their employer, okay? So there may not even necessarily have been anybody in the wrong per se, but there was a strife. So you know what happened? Abraham sat down with Lot and they tried to work it out. By the way, that's exactly how it ought to happen. Exactly how it ought. It's exactly what Jesus said to do. Amen? Verse, uh, let's keep reading verse 8. Lot, uh, I'm sorry, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdman and thy herdman. Notice this, for we be brethren. Where's that attitude at? When our relationship toward one another is more important than any stupid stuff of this life. That ought to be the way it is for Christians. Amen? We're brethren. Who cares about all this stupid stuff? Who cares if I get defrauded? We're brethren. And you know what more important is? It's our relationship and the unity we have in Christ is more important than any stuff of this life. Where is that attitude amongst Christians? It ought to be, amen? Because there's things more important than money and stuff in life. Things way more important than that. All right, for we be brethren. Verse 9, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If that will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if that will depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And, of course, we know uh, what the situation happened there. But Abraham was trying to work this out between Lot. Now, you know what Lot did? Lot made a bad choice. Because instead of, let me tell you how Lot should have handled this, all right? Because we know the decision he made and eventually where it got him to. Some people could say, well, Abraham forced him to do that because he told him he had to leave him. That's not what he said. He said, make a choice. You know what Lot should have said? If he was smart, he would have said, you know what, Uncle Abraham? My relationship with you is more important than all my stupid stuff. I'll get rid of everything I have to as long as I can stay with you. That should have been what happened. By the way, had that have happened, we wouldn't have had the disaster that's called Lot's life that every preacher uses as an illustration of what not to do. But his stuff was more important to him than that relationship with Abraham. Amen? And by the way, you know what we could say as Christians? Our relationship with God ought to be more important to us than any stuff of this life. Any material things of this life. Amen? And so that's how you ought to handle things. You ought to go, work them out. Figure out what you got to do. Hey, you know what? If you got to be like Solomon and break out the sword and divide the baby, get it divided. Amen? Listen, work the things out. And by the way, all right, let me just say this. Sometimes, you know who's going to win out sometimes? More than likely, not the most mature Christian. Okay, you know why? Because you know what, mature, you know what maturity, Christian maturity says? You know what? This isn't worth fighting about. You just... Whatever you feel like you need to do, you do. Because that's what Christian maturity does. That's what, the, that, that's what true love does, by the way. And you know what? In doing so, yeah, you might get defrauded a little bit. Listen to me. I learned so many lessons when God was preparing me to pastor by making me a Christian school principal for 12 years. You talk about, you know, teaching me stuff about people. There were so many situations. Now, I shouldn't say so many. Not, 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 not a ton. Um, let me just say this. My time there was 95% of it was phenomenal. But there was a few where I had to work some stuff out amongst people. And by the way, I'll be honest with you, some of the time, I'll just be honest with you, me and my wife got the raw end of the deal. But you know what? 
We just took it. And you know what? We just did. We, we stayed loyal. We stayed faithful. We kept loving people. And by the way, eventually all that stuff all came out in the wash, as the saying goes. Amen? Okay? And by the way, never was it ever I told you so. Ever, ever, ever was it that. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to take the wrong, take the, the defrauding, if that's what it means, because there's something more important than just us having to be right. Amen? All right. My notes keep dropping on the floor. Saint doesn't want us to hear this tonight. Amen? But I'm going to preach it anyway. Preaching it anyway because we need to hear it. Amen? All right. Now, we're going to look at one more tonight. And uh, let's uh, go over to uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to kind of, uh, and basically just because we're going in alphabetical order, we're not really taking these necessarily in scriptural order, but alphabetical order. And so, uh, since we talked about going not to law with one another, we're going to kind of uh, 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 change direction a little bit and end more on a uh, positive thing, all right? Not that that other one wasn't, uh, but uh, this will be something that is uh, maybe a little bit more uh, conducive to your palate, should I say. Amen? All right. All right, here we go. Uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4. Uh, man, that's crazy. I'm not finding my place. I forget my little acronym I taught you, right? What's the acronym for uh, those epistles? Ready? G-E-P-C, right? Do you remember that acronym I taught you? All right. If you didn't, you remember it now. G-E stands for General Electric PC Personal Computer. There you go. That's how you remember it. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right, there you are. Philippians chapter 4, verse 21. Notice what he says here. All right. Very simple verse. A lot of times we skip over these verses. But notice what he says. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus, thy brethren which are with me greet you. All right? Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. All right? Just a few books back from where we were at. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Now, don't get nervous when I read this verse to you. All right? You guys just chill. All right? Notice what it says. Greet one another with an holy kiss. Okay? And uh, we're going to turn to another passage in a minute. But here, here's the responsibility toward one another is this, to greet one another. To greet one another. Or could we say this? Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality. Okay? Uh, go to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Again, if you think about what God allowed His Word to be filled with, you'd be surprised how many pages, chapters of Scripture get filled with things that you're like, well, if I was God, I wouldn't have put that in there. Well, guess what? We're not God. Amen? I think God knew what He was doing. All right? Now, let's look here. I'm not going to read every verse. I want to point out some things to you. Look at verse 3. Notice what it says. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Verse 5. Likewise, Greet the church. Verse 6, greet Mary. Verse 7, salute and drachonus. Maybe I said that right. Who knows, all right? You don't even know, so it sounded right, didn't it, all right? I impressed myself by pronouncing that, by the way. And drachonus, all right? Verse 8, greet uh, Amphilus. Verse 9, salute Urbane. 10, salute Apollos. 11, salute Herodian. Uh, verse 12, salute uh, uh, Typhenia and Tryphosa. 13, salute Rufus. 14, salute uh, Ashrighteous. Uh, 15, salute Philogus. Uh, 16, salute one another. And on and on, you see this. Okay? We almost have a whole chapter 
in the Bible where throughout that, Paul was uh, telling to salute these people, greet these people, uh, welcome these people, okay? And so here is the principle for just the next few minutes we're going to look at is this. You know what? As Christians, it is so important that we show Christian hospitality, particularly by greeting one another. Now, thank God, thank God our custom isn't the way it was back then. Amen? Now, it may be that way in some parts of the world. I'm sure it probably is. Okay, by the way, it does say a holy kiss. Amen? All right, you've seen it before. Uh, Maybe you've met someone who still does this. All right, I don't know that I ever had. Well, maybe one time I have. But, you know, instead of a handshake, which is our custom, all right, they kiss one another on the cheek. By the way, most of the time this was going on, okay, it was, you know, men doing that with men, women doing that with women, okay? The Bible's very clear, a holy kiss. It was the form of greeting back then. I'm just going to tell you right now, ain't no dude kissing me on the cheek, all right? <laughs> ain't happening. Ain't happening. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it as a joke, all right? You will get punched, okay? All right? I've told you this story before, but I'll tell it again because some people haven't heard it. Uh, but uh, back when I was, uh, my wife and I, we just got married, 2001, right before 9-11. I think it was June of, of 01. We took a missions trip uh, with uh, uh, a bunch of people uh, from Blessed Hope. It was basically a teen trip. Pastor Ross asked my wife and I to go. We were still in Bible college and uh, for our chaperones. So uh, we hooked up with the group and we flew down to uh, uh, Monterey, Mexico. And uh, we spent a week down there. And they, at that church they had, down there, they had a Bible college. Well, apparently, in that part of the world, Holy Kiss is still the uh, is still the thing. All right, because when uh, our, our young people uh, got there to the Bible college, and all the young ladies from the Bible college came, uh, you know, instead of coming up and shaking their hands, they did that. They kissed the, the kissed them on the cheek, either cheek. All right, and uh, and of course, you, of course, you heard me say this, but uh, some of the guys were standing around Pastor Ross, and and we were kind of looking at each other, and we're like, listen, if some dude comes up and tries to kiss us. It's on like Donkey Kong. Amen? Fortunately, the guys come up and did what we do. Amen? Stuck the hand out. Shook the hand. All right? So, but all that to say, listen to me. All right? So, so important that as Christians, we show Christian hospitality. Amen? Listen to me, folks. We, we've got to do, we've got to go out of our way to make people feel welcome. By the way, yes, without, without even saying it in the church house. Duh, right? I mean, people come in here. Listen, I mean, uh, and by the way, you do a great job at it. I just want to just remind you. I just want to just keep encouraging you to keep doing this. Amen. Listen, make the visitor's hand ache by the time we go by and talk to them and shake their hand and welcome them. All right? And I mean, people, I'd rather people walk out the door and say, man, those people were over the top friendly than to be like, I didn't feel like anybody even saw that I was there. Right? By the way, some of the people that have visited here have told me, you know what, we visited such and such, and such church and people just act like we were, just, you know, they were annoyed that we were sitting in their vicinity. What a shame. What a shame. By the way, it's, it's a sin. By the way, you know what this is called? We do all these verses I just read. Commands. Command. Hey, just like uh, honor the Lord thy God. I will not take his name in vain. Uh, honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Hey, yeah, guess what? Commands. Guess what this is? Command. That means this. We need to greet one another, make people feel welcome. And by the way, not just to visitors. That's to all of us. Amen? Okay? 
And by the way, that's not just when you know, you're getting along with everybody. That's all the time. Amen? Now listen to me, folks. This is very important here because let me tell you what that is. That's a reflection of the heart. Reflection of the heart. By the way, you know what that will make you do? That will make you keep your relationships right. When you walk in church and you know that God is expecting you to greet the brethren and to fellowship with the brethren and do so in a proper way, then guess what that means? If you can't do that to a brethren, then you need to get with that brethren and figure out why you're having a problem with that brethren. It keeps the church right. By the way, folks, God knew what He was doing by putting this stuff in the Word. Amen? And so it's so important here that we show this toward one another. By the way, what's it say of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 9? The Bible says that He was a friend, listen to this, of publicans and sinners. Here's what I think that would mean, okay? I believe if Jesus Christ lived in Princeton, I know where He'd be on Wednesday nights. You know where He'd be? He'd be at the biggest N.A. meeting in the county. Where You know where it happens at? This room you're sitting in. Let me tell you, I love the, the Wednesday night I come here when we, when we uh, uh, provide the meal for those precious folks and just sitting with them, talking with them, you know, just, just cutting up with them just like we do here. I believe if Jesus Christ was in Princeton that night, He'd be here. Amen? Interacting with those folks. We know that's true because that's what He did back when He was on the earth. And by the way, before we think we're all so high and mighty, just because our sins may not have had such a huge consequence doesn't mean we're not sinners as well. Amen? Lose this stinking stupid pharisaical attitude so many Christians seem to have nowadays. Listen, if Jesus could do it, we can do it. Amen? And by the way, this doesn't just extend to the family, church family, although, duh, I mean, again, without saying it, it better it ought to, right? Listen, this ought to spill over into every area of life we're in. I, thought, I don't know when I said it. Maybe Sunday night, Sunday morning, I don't know. I preach so much and say so many things, I forget what I say when I say it. Amen? So when I repeat myself, just look at me and act like that I've never said that before, all right? Thank you, Brother Mike. First amen I've heard all night. Amen. Except the kiss part. I did hear an amen there. That was good. I'm glad I heard that from you. So, But, uh, you know, uh, but here's the thing. Even in public, everywhere you go, I mean, listen, folks, get to the point where everywhere, and I understand, okay, when you're just passing people in Walmart parking lot, I don't start carrying on conversation with every single person I see. All right? But especially when I go to places I frequent often, okay, and I'm there on a regular basis, start talking to people. Okay, listen, I am a creature of habit. All right, I try, I mean, if someone's looking to assassinate me, it wouldn't be hard to figure out my pattern, okay? I usually drive the same route every day, usually about the same time. I do about the same things every day the same time, usually, okay? Sometimes that gets off. But y'all like going to the same gas station. You know why? So I can start building a relationship with the people at the gas station. Okay? Hey, you know what? I, again, I say this all the time, and it's true. I mean, I, I love going to the bank and uh, when I do the church banking. And it's not just about doing the banking. I usually sit down in one of the guys' offices and talk with him for a while. We, we talk about different stuff, and I uh, talk to the tellers. I use their first name. They use my first name. They usually know what I want to do before I even get there. Listen, I, that's, that's small-town America. I love that. Amen? But you know what? Part of that is, though, because I go out of my way to be friendly and greet people and try to build a relationship with somebody. Now listen, that's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Amen? Making a difference everywhere we go. And by the way, why are we doing that? I'll tell you why we're doing that then. It's so we can get the gospel to them. Amen? And be a good testimony for Jesus Christ. 
So very important here, all right? By the way, let me say this, parents. Teach your children to do that. Okay, one of the rudest things, and I, I don't believe this happens in this church. I'm not saying this for this sake, but if it does happen in this church, as a parent, fix it. Okay, is for uh, someone to greet your, your your young person, or your young person walks in and they just don't say a word, stone faced, ignore adults when they talk to them. Let me tell you that 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 needs to be fixed. Okay, it's rude. It's not right. Amen. And by the way, they learn by example, but as a parent, if you see that, fix it. Amen? I mean, I know I'm sure I had to be fixed in that area when I was a young man. But praise God, I had a dad who fixed it. Okay? And so listen, teach your young people to greet people and talk with people. And if an adult speaks to them, they, they need, by the way, mumbling isn't speaking. Okay? And by the way, teach them this. Look them in the eye. Look people in the eye when they talk to them. I insist on this when I teach Sunday school class. When I teach Sunday school class, I'll stop from time to time. Here's what I say to the kids. I need to see your eyes. If I see your eyes, that means you're watching me. You're paying attention. Okay? Listen, that's the type of stuff, parents, we we need to be teaching our children. Amen? All right? Because it's just common decency. It's it's respect. But it's also a Bible command. Okay? Greet one another. Be friendly. Teach your children how to carry on conversations with adults. By the way, yeah, uh uh-huh. Okay? That, that's not proper speaking. How about teach your children to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, ma'am, no, sir. By the way, teach them when they're wrong to say they're sorry. I mean, come on, folks. This is just common sense stuff. But this stuff that was sad to say, a lot of young people aren't learning nowadays. And by the way, I'll teach it to them as best I can, but I don't have near as much influence you have as a parent. Amen? And so let's greet one another. Let's keep Christian hospitality uh, uh, flowing through the church. Let's keep that testimony up. And let's make sure that we have and complete that responsibility one toward another. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the word.